You know, I love data and research, so got a little bit of that for you tonight, too. So anyway, we're going to have a great time in the Lord and have an opportunity to pray a little bit later on and ask God's grace and his mercy and his direction. So we'll be doing that. But before we get started, why don't we go to the Lord in a word of prayer and then we'll begin. Father God, we just come to you tonight and we ask that as we are sitting here that, Father, the Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts, speak through the word, give us the faith that we need to be the dynamic people that we need to be to turn this world upside down for Christ. We thank you for the third grader that got saved. And Father, we just pray for his uh, 12-year-old brother, uh, Melissa, and for Doug, and for Randy, who is traveling, and just so many things, Father, that we are in prayer to you about. But we're also just so grateful for who you are and for what you're doing in our midst. We just thank you for the fellowship of believers here tonight, and we just pray that uh, more than anything else, we will just magnify the name of Jesus and all that we do and all that we say and all that we think. We pray this in your son's name. Let us all say amen. amen. All right. Well, good evening, everyone. And so the question is, well, won't all people go to heaven? And so that's what we're going to look at tonight, and we're going to... Uh, try and discover some things that's going to help us. And uh, you, have you ever been to a funeral where someone maybe came out and said something like, you know, I know this person's not going to heaven. But what we hear typically is, well, they're going to be in a better place. There is this whole idea that is out there that, in essence, God is so good, he's so gracious, and he's so loving, he wouldn't send anybody to hell. That's such a terrible place. God wouldn't do that to any of us. And, and we're going to look at tonight about universalism and, and be able to try and, and grasp some of the things that are there. And so as we look tonight, we just pray that you will uh, uh, go along with us on this journey. Okay, God's kingdom... That didn't come out too well on, on your graph, but it comes out really good on mine. <laughs> uh, God's kingdom is reserved for those who obediently follow him. We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 7. If you'll open there tonight, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 23. Okay? So, as you get there, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. At some point in time, I can't tell you exactly when that's going to be, but there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that's going to be ushered in. And this new heaven and this new earth is going to be oh so great and so much better than what we've ever seen and what we've ever experienced. And we're going to be a part of that. And some of us will reign with Christ during his millennial reign. That's going to be really interesting. That know you not, you, some of you will be judges and some of you will, will be able to stand forth as the people of God and do some things in Christ's kingdom. I think that's going to be really super. So as we look to that. Now, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 23. And we're going to exegese a little bit of this at a time as we go through this. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate... And broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. 
and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes or of thorns or figs of thistle? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. And so, question. Did you know that less than 1.6 of NCAA athletes go on to become professionals? That is really incredible. I'm going to break this down a little bit. And it's, so it, it helps us as we begin to kind of think about, will everyone go to heaven? That's the question that we'll be dealing with tonight. But so as we, as we think about this, so in, in baseball, by sport, I went ahead and I looked at this. By sport, out of 8,002 draft-eligible NCAA baseball players, 791 were drafted by the MLB. That's pretty incredible, okay? Men's basketball, out of 4,181, we're down to 52. Women's basketball even gets... Uh, a little bit lower than that, 3,669, and there were only 31 drafted. So all these people are in, these young people are in college, and they're thinking that, you know, I may make it to the big time. I might be one of those that gets to go all the way to, to be quite a star, but we know that not everyone is going to be able to be a star. When I was in high school, I ran the mile relay and I ran the 400-yard hurdles. Back then, it was yards. 120-yard high hurdles, the mile relay, and the 440-yard hurdles. And I could beat everybody in the city of Lubbock, Texas. And Lubbock had a population at that time of about 250,000, 300,000 people. I was the best hurdler in the city. And as I ran those years, I went on to district, and I beat everybody in district. And then after that, regional. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I thought, I'm good. <laughs> I really thought I was good. And uh, I got to regional, and then, oh, boy, at regionals right before the state finals, um, I got dusted. And I got dusted, and the times that beat me were higher. Like I ran a 13.25 or 13.28, and I think the, the winners of that race ran right at about a 13.814. So I should have technically won. So, but I didn't get to go to state. No matter how well I had done before, I wasn't good enough at that point, at that race, to continue on. And so not everyone, I mean, my team was just crushed. He said, you're not going to state? It was horrible. But no, I didn't make it. I didn't go. Out of football, 
My brother Dennis Gentry was five foot eight, weighed 155 pounds, and he played football with Baylor, Baylor Bears, and he went on to play with the Chicago Bears for 11 years. Dennis. <laughs> I still don't know how he did that. But out of 16,000 eligible NCAA football players, only 254 were drafted. Okay? Men's hockey is, is even is more astounding. There is 961 eligible, 71 were drafted. And, and so... What am I saying here? And all of this, these individuals, Jesus said, enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way. And so as we look at this, this entering in is, is, is to come into life, come and enjoy and be a part of what God has set forth. But he wanted to give us a warning as we came. Enter in at the straight gate. And he says, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And so Jesus is letting his hearers and us know that there is going to be a multitude of people in the arena of life that are going to choose wrong. And that won't make the cut, so to speak. And so as we look at this, we understand that the broad and the wide, the narrow and the straight. As we think about these things here, there are two choices. And the broad and the wide is the default way. Now, let's do a little bit of Q&A just real quickly. When we look at the broad way and the narrow straight, we see the big road and we've got the little trail off to the side. What would cause a person to take the broad way. Think about that. That's a question. More appealing. There's more people on that road. They seem to be having a good time. It's smooth. It's well-worn. There's a lot of activity on this road. Don't you want to be a part of that? Look at them. They're having a great time. But what about the, the narrow? The narrow has places you've got to duck under, step over. It's not cleared. It's not smooth. It is just a little bit more difficult and challenging. And so when we think about the broad way, our enemy wants to make our lives as easy and open as possible so that we can fall into that mode of, let's just be a part of this. It looks good. It looks easy. Think about this, that right now in that broad way is a lot of doctrines and philosophies and religious sects out there that would tell people, you don't need to take that narrow, fundamental, narrow thinking, unorthodox way of doing things. Follow the broad way. And that seems to be the trend that is going on right now. Join us on the Broadway. Let's be a part of something that's really great. But Jesus gives an admonition there. He said that, that the broad and the wide leads to destruction or ruin or annihilation. Second Peter 
chapter 3, verse 7 says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment of ungodly men. And so those two ways of, of traveling, Jesus is making a point to get his listeners to understand and see that. Revelations chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead. Interesting. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Put that in your mind. The small and the great, the insignificant people, the great people. Everyone is standing before God. And the books, I don't know if it was a scroll book or a book that opens this way, but the books were open. And when these books were finally opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Now notice this, the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into where? The lake of fire. There is going to be a place that is going to be breathtaking. It's going to be oh. And to see those things taking place, and we're all going to be a part of that. And you're all going to be able to see all these events as they take place. Now, let's move on. Because it gets even better. Jesus says, beware false prophets. Now, audience participation again. What, who and what is a false prophet? Who or what is a false prophet? Yes. Okay. Okay, a false prophet. That person says, thus said the word. Of, I've heard guys say, the Lord told me to tell you to give me $1,000. <laughs> but some people will reach in their pocket and hand over $1,000. And he'll say, you're going to be blessed. You believe it? Oh, you, of course, wouldn't believe it. You don't have $1,000, do you? <laughs> I, would you, it, you know, so, so these false prophets are out there right now today. And they come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravening wolves. What are wolves known for? What's a wolf? Wolf. What do they do? What are they for? They're on the earth, but what are they for? 
Killing the weak. Pardon me? Pack hunters. They're almost like that roaring lion seeking whom they can devour. They want to destroy you. And they run in packs and it's like, ah, there's the weak one. And they'll run after that pack and finally that weak one falls to the side and they get them. And they ruin them. They eat, they eat them. They destroy them. They kill them. And so these ravening wolves, they're false prophets though. But is a false, if, is a false prophet going to let himself be known that he's a ravening wolf? No, he's going to hide that part of him. There are some, there's a scripture that talks about the transformation of a being into an angel of light. Who is that? Satan and his demons. An angel of light. Have, you con have I convinced you to give me that $1,000 yet? Okay. <laughs> you shall know them by their fruits. You ever known any false... False prophets of today, 2023. There can't be any left, are there? It's a couple, maybe. One or two? Are there more than, more than just one or two? Probably hundreds. How do we know there's hundreds? How do we know? By their fruits. But sometimes it's hard to decipher, is this person really, truly? It's, it's like what Paul said, we, we need to be like the Bereans. When they speak, we ought to be able to go back and go, ooh, that scripture doesn't say that. And we need to confirm what they've said, even what I say tonight. Go back, look it up. Now, let's keep going. Uh, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistle? And a, a very obvious illustration here is that I don't go to look for grapes in the midst of thorns. And good, ripe, firm figs are not going to be in a place where there's thistle around. That's just the nature of what it is. And so by nature... We know that that person, that situation, that thought process, that teaching is out of place. Because what ought to be taught here is what is wholesome and good and disciplined and God-honoring. But instead, it's some things that promote self and promote movements that are anti-God or anti-the church. So... I don't look for grapes in places that I'm going to be injured or can, can find injury, nor figs that way. Now, so every what? Good tree bringeth forth good fruit. I just was reminded when I was about 14, 15 years old, my dad preached a sermon at this one church. And he was being voted in as, back in this place, it's called a moderator of an association. And so I can remember the words he said. He said, it's never happened and it never will. A bee will never produce sour honey. 
Man, that hit me like a ton of bricks, and it's still today. You know, from the good treasure of my heart, I'm not going to be evil and mean and vindictive and all of those things, but I'm going to display the fruit of the Spirit. So that's what's going to come to me. So every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. We've, have you heard the expression, and I made this mistake. It was a, it was a lesson that the Lord taught me. I was on a, a flight back from Houston, Texas. I was going to, I was landing in Toledo instead of, instead of Chicago or Detroit. And there was a gentleman sitting next to me, and he said, you know, I, I worship Allah, but it's the same thing as God, isn't it? And I sat there, and I think, you know, what? He said, we're all trying to get to the same spot, aren't we? And I was wanting to kind of get this guy away from talking to me, and I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And boy, was I convicted right then on the spot. We're not all going to the right spot. So I got an illustration to show you. If I'm standing on that side of the mountain, and Kevin is standing on that side of the mountain, and we want to get to the top of the mountain, okay? Dave is on the bottom, and Carol is on the top. We're all trying to get to the top of the mountain. Each direction to the top of the mountain is different, right? So this is how this false prophets and false teaching come about. So... Aren't we all going to the same spot? Oh, we're all trying to get to the same place in life to worship God? And the answer is yes, but the path is going to be different no matter which way you go. And so I was, I was thinking about this today when I was, was contemplating how this was going to all lay out. And that's when I realized the flight that I was on when the guy said, we're all trying to get to the same place, heaven, glory, and worship God, when there are different, all these people, uh, these examples of people trying to get to that one spot on the map brought me to this. How many of you have heard of universalism? Well, won't we all go to heaven? God's not going to let anybody go to hell. So this is, a, this is a Christian theology. They call it a Christian theology, but I, I beg to differ. The belief that all mankind will eventually be saved. No one's going to go to hell. So Christian universalism would insist that Christ's atonement did atone for everyone's sin. And that part is true. It is. It is true. But... Not everyone is going to eventually be saved. We have our time here on earth. And while I'm living in, in this fleshly body, 
I need to make a decision for Christ and his atonement for my sins. And so this universalism is out there. Now, number two, loyalty and concern for others without regard to national or other allegiances, a tendency toward universalism and inclusion. Boy, that whole idea of you. Have you heard this phrase of inclusion? Oh, don't, don't be so mean about that group or that group because we're all in this together. We're all walking on this earth together, but we're not all in it together because there are some that are not really truly wanting to reach God and be a part of God, and they are living a life that is totally against what God teaches. But man is saying, oh, let's just all be one. Let's just kind of all come together, and we'll be okay. Universalism, it doesn't work that way. Can, pe can people who teach this be saved? I think anybody can be saved. A person that teaches that, they're not saved. No. But they can be saved if they repent from that. But no, if they're teaching this, no way. No. Never, never would they ever. Now, while it's true, Christ's atonement did atone for my sin, but at what price? It cost him his life and his blood. And I've got to come to the realization that I'm a sinner and his blood is what's going to atone for my sins and take me out of the marketplace of sin and redeem me. So, no, they, they are not saved, can't be saved, but there is a scripture, there is a scripture in Philippians where, I'm trying to remember exactly where it is, it says, uh, some preach Christ out of envy and some out of contention, but in, in all of that, Christ is still preached. So, their motivation. Mm -hmm. So their motivation was to criticize or to put Paul down. But what actually ends up happening is they were teaching and preaching Christ. So, yeah. Good question. That's really great. Where's Brian Hendricks? And that's normally Brian Hendricks that. <laughs> he let you know he was. <laughs> okay. So, let's go on. The universalists believe it's impossible that a loving God would elect only a portion of humankind to salvation and doom the rest to eternal punishment. So many people believe that. You know, God is going to, he's, he's going to let us all in. When it's all said and done, we'll get there. And that's not true. There's going to be some people that are going to go into the lake of fire. They will experience that second death in Hades. No other way of getting around it. That's where they're going to be. Now, they, insi they insisted that punishment in the afterlife was for a limited period during which the soul was purified and prepared for eternity in the presence of God. 
So when I die, there's going to there's gonna be this afterlife period that somehow or another, my soul is going to get purified and prepared for eternity. And that is definitely not the case. Now, Jesus said, beware. Caution, alertness. Beware false prophets which come in sheep's clothing, for immolately they are ravening wolves. A believer's new life is a choice, not an end. My new life is a faith journey in this life. And uh, we are to be on guard for the things that are coming about in the world in which we live today. Because of what is out there, we have a lot that we're going to have to deal with. Okay? So, I think we already went through those already. Matthew, just want to hit a couple of more scriptures here. Okay? Verse 21. This is where I'm going to spend a little bit more time. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's a, that's a strong commentary right there to, to just go out and just pretty much just say that, you know, the word Lord here is, is, is translated merely a term of respect. And so they're saying, Lord, Lord. Real respectful as respectful can be. Everyone that says that shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So this whole idea that there are going to be some people, there's going to be some individuals that are going to be taken aback. Lord, Lord. Everyone that says that is not going to enter in. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. What is the will of God? God's will is that, that all come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's his will. Verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Now, here are the things that we're going to be able to see. Now, we talked about the false prophets. Now, let's, let's tie these together. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not? prophesied in thy name. My dad said this once to me. He said, you know, the devil's got some really good preachers. And when I first heard that, I thought, how can a devil preach? Cunning, smooth, but speaking lies and untruths and leading people down a path of destruction is what they are. We, I prophesied in your name, and in thy name cast out, what? Devils. Has anybody seen a devil cast out? I've never really seen anything like that. Okay, but, but at this time, this is what they're going to say. And, and then also, and in thy name done many wonderful things. Works. What are those wonderful works? What do you think? What are the wonderful works? Yes, sir. False prophecy. I remember Paul Harvey had a good one. This is back in the 
middle, middle 80s. There was a group of people went up into Pikes Peak because God had told their, their leader that he was going to be coming. Jesus was going to come back on this certain day. Well, the day after on Paul Harvey's rest of the story, he said, don't you think somebody ought to go up there and tell him that Christ didn't come back? But a, a lot of people believed that and went to the mountain. They went up there with him. How many of you have heard of Heaven's Gate? Have you heard of Heaven's Gate? Okay. There was a, there was a cult leader that said that this asteroid was going to come by and what was going to happen? They were all going to get transformed and out of here and on that asteroid. What happened? They all drank the Kool-Aid. They all died. Really kind of sad, okay? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Get, you know, depart. You have worked iniquity. Wait a minute. I prophesied. I, I did all these great things in your name. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. And I think it's mocking God when a whole group of people can be standing and somebody takes their hand and they wave over the crowd and it makes all these people fall over backwards. Is God, is he, how is God being glorified in what I do? How is God being glorified in what I say? How is God being glorified even in that? Everybody falls over. And they are slain in the spirit. Can someone tell me what being slain in the spirit is? But that's a, the that's a, that's a terminology that's used quite a little bit in our era. I was going to look that up and get a, didn't get a chance to. Pastor, you know slain in the spirit? Okay, it's, it's supposed that I'm so full of this spiritual anointing that it just knocks me over. The only time I can remember or I've read of something like that happening is, is when the guards came to, to Jesus and he said, I am he. And they all fell over. <laughs> and they were all, they all fell backwards. All, all that crowd that came to arrest Jesus that night in the garden boom, fell back, hit the, hit the dirt, hit the ground. But all of these things are going on right now. There are instances that we see right now where, especially New York City, married homosexual men are pastor and first men of churches. Are you kidding me? Some things that are going on in the name of Christ ungodly and unbelievable are taking place. And that's why I think it's going to be when Jesus said, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And that, my friend, is, it's really kind of sad. But we have seen things in our lifetime that have been incredible. How many of you remember the one up on top? 
You don't remember Jamestown? Jonestown, Ghana. And all those people, this guy, see, let me see if I can get that. This guy right here was Jim Jones. Who is this guy? Charles Manson, okay? Cult leaders. This one right, oh, I went too far. <laughs> no, you're good. So, <laughs> stop it. Who did that? <laughs> okay, so, uh, true cult leaders, Jim Jones, Charles Manson, that got people to do things that they normally wouldn't do. It's just, but their persona and that charisma, that charismaticness that, that was in them, allowed, people allowed that to just draw them in. And let's face it, there are some men that stand behind these things right here that are charismatic and they are just, they can pull people in. We see it. We've been a part of things like that. But what did Jesus say? Then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Uh, this guy right here, and this one, but mostly this one here, we could go on and on about all those, but why would all those people believe in that? Because they were looking for grapes amongst thorns and thistles. They were looking for figs in the places they should not have been looking. But the, the cares of this world drew them in to those type situations. They found themselves gullible and accepting and believing that. Who could sit under the direction of a pastor who's married to another man? And we said, nobody could do that. That's unthinkable, is it? It's happening. It's happening right now. And so Jesus has a remedy for that. So many will say, Lord, Lord, well, I thought I was doing a great work for you, Lord. I did this, and I've done this. Many are going to say in that, Lord, Lord. And I believe that they're going to have tears in their eyes, and their voices are going to Gonna gonna break and Lord, Lord, I did this, and He says, I, I never knew you. So, won't all people go to heaven? Not at all. Now, let me see if I can find my statistics right quick. Because there is going to be, there's a large percentage. I went to the Barna group. Barna is a, is a resource that uh, I go to when I want to look at some things. There's Barna and then there's Pew Research Center. Take, take a look at those two places because basically what they were saying that the trend of the Protestant believers that believe in heaven and hell is not going this way, it's going down. More people, there are less people believe in heaven and hell than maybe 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 
But now all of a sudden it's, when you've got 60% of the people and then 54 and then 47% that believe that there's a heaven and they believe that there's a hell, what's, happened, what's happening to that gap? Where are we as a, as a household of believers? Where, what's happening? And I think what's happening is people are choosing the, the cares of this life is just sucking them dry and it's just pulling to them. So the sobering answer, won't all people go to heaven? The sobering answer is no. Not everybody's going to go to heaven. But that is the impetus to cause us to want to grab hold to the commission, the great commission, and, and be able to go out and to lead others to Christ, to bring as many in, as Jude said, as if we're snatching them out of the very pit of hell. We're going to snatch them out and be, be that that's going to pull people because we know that not everybody is going to heaven. You mean God would send people to hell? No, he won't send anyone to hell, but out of people's own volition and their own choices, they will find themselves destined for hell because they rejected God's atonement for sin. And because they rejected God's atonement for sin, they are going to go to hell. And then there are those who right now that don't know about, um, they don't know about Christ, and we need to be in the business of telling people about Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I want to end with the lyrics of a song. And it says, I'm not scared of dying, and I don't really care. If it's peace you find in dying, well, then let the time be near. If it's peace you find in dying, and if dying in your time is near, just bundle up my coffin cause it's cold way down here. Yeah, it's cold way down here. Yeah, crazy cold way down here. And when I die and when I'm gone, there'll be one child born in this world to carry on, to carry on. No troubles or many. They are as deep as a well. I can swear there ain't no heaven, but I pray there ain't no hell. Swear there ain't no heaven, and I pray there ain't no hell, but I'll never know by living, only, my, only by dying will tell. That was a, that was a famous group um, many years ago. I swear there ain't no heaven, but I pray there ain't no hell. There is, hell is real. Hell is real. It is a reality that's going to happen. And for those who have missed the opportunity to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will miss that opportunity. And by missing that opportunity, they are going to be part of the number that will not make it into heaven. Why don't we close in prayer? Father, we come to you right now and